0: so glad that you're here and, well, not here, but listening to us online. That would make more sense, wouldn't it? Um, We're in this series that we've called GOAT, which if you're not familiar with modern day lingo, it means the greatest of all time. Um, Somebody told me last week that I did not have the greatest wrestler up on the screen of all time, and they were talking about um, another wrestler that's really the Heartbreak Kid. Anybody know who that is? So, sorry for... Screwing that up last week. Um, but we, we, we've, we've talked about the supremacy or the greatness of Christ, right? So, because, because, he, because he is the greatest of all time. And last week we said that said one of the reasons that he's the goat or that he's the greatest of time, all time is found in Hebrews chapter 1 and in verse 3, and it says this, The sun radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. And what makes Jesus so great is that he is the exact imprint of God the Father. Because Jesus is God. Right? He is God. And so today, what we want to, talk, what we want to look at in regards to the greatness of Jesus is this idea or this, this thought behind. And if you're taking notes, you can write this word down. Kinsman, Redeemer. Hey, Kevin, can you turn my mic down just a tad? Kinsman, Redeemer. And kinsman, Redeemer is this. It's a Hebrew term that designates a relative who delivers or rescues or redeems property or a person and takes the place of. And I don't know about you guys, but this gets me a little bit excited because this means that, that Jesus decided to become like us, Emmanuel, God with us. He decided to become kin to us. That's my kinfolk, all right? That's kin. He, he decided to become kin to us, to become like us, one of us, to redeem us, rescue us, deliver us, to take our place. So and what I want to do is let me, let me show you what Hebrew, the book of Hebrews says about it, about Jesus being our kinsman redeemer. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn them to Hebrews chapter 2. And this will probably end up being like a 13-week series because there's 13 chapters in Hebrews. So just buckle up. All right? Um, You know, last week I said, I don't know if if I'm going to go like verse for verse, but the way it's looking, that's the way we're going to do it. We'll at least cover a chapter a week. How about that? All right? Um, Hebrews chapter 2, starting in verse 1, it says this. So we must listen very carefully to the truth we have heard. Or we may drift away from it. like we these if you remember what the book of Hebrews was written written about, it's written about it written to the, the Hebrew people whom some you can label them Messianic Jews who were Jewish people who con- who had converted to Christianity or started following the way as it was being called at that time. Uh, they decided to follow Jesus and they were being persecuted and they thought that. They thought that them following Jesus was causing, well, it was causing their persecution, but they thought that if we just go back and revert back to our Judaism, then everything will be okay. Okay, and so what they were doing was they were trading the truth for a what? For a lie. Because we know now that Jesus is the greatest message ever told. Jesus is the greatest story ever told. And what, what the writer of Hebrews is saying here is, this, is that if we if you turn away from that truth, you will drift away from the life that Jesus really wants for you. If we if you if you drift, it's kind of like it's kind of like I think that's one reason why America and really the world's the way it is. Not necessarily just because they drifted away from G, the Jesus truth, the truth about Jesus, but people have a hard time with truth in general. Because I mean, a couple of weeks ago we talked about uh, relativism right? Like, your truth is your truth, you know? Well, then you can base that, I mean, this is a probably a bad example, but it's true for you. It's okay for you to murder somebody, but it's not my, that's that's your truth. No, there's some something in us, something intrinsically in us that says there's things in this world that are wrong, right? Like, you just look at the world and go, I don't know if that's right or not. But What we decided to do was say, you know, i want to That that was good for them back then, not to live this way, not to do those things. for now, like we don't like they were trying to populate the world. That's why you know, it just we have all these theories that we're drifting away from truth. And when we drift away from truth, what you're really drifting away for is the is the life that Jesus really wants for you. The reason that we have these boundaries set up and that God set up these boundaries in our life is not for it to have be like one of those lightning bolt gods who just want to. Throw a lightning bolt at us. No, he set, up, set these boundaries up for us because in, in these boundaries we can find true life. So, with, with focusing on the truth that, the, that they were told about Jesus, he's telling them you have to stick to that truth. Like, if you go back to your old way of living, you're not going to have real life. So, Hebrews 2, verse 2, it says... For the message God delivered through angels has always stood firm. And every violation of the law and every act of disobedience was punished. What was punished? Every violation. Every, every disobedience. What he's saying is what you guys were living in before, even though you were taking sacrifices to the temple even though you were doing what the Bible said, it was never really cleansing you of sin. That was actually, we'll find out later on in Hebrews, that that, that, was just, that system was just given to show you that you couldn't meet up to the standard of God and that you needed someone to come to be like you, to be kin to you, to, to, to free you from that sin. So what this is saying is that you like if you're taking notes, you can write this down, your sin has already been paid for. You don't have to go back to the old system. Your sin is completely paid for. That's why I love, I haven't said it in a while, but how many of your sins were future sins when Christ went to the cross? All of them. All of your sins were future sins when, you, when, you, when he went to the cross. So he knew how screwed up you and I would be, and he still decided to make a way. That That is just amazing to me. That is why if, you, if we continue reading... In verse 3 it says, So what makes us think we can escape if we ignore this great salvation that was first announced, announced by the Lord Jesus himself and then delivered to us by those uh, who heard him speak? And God confirmed the message by giving signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit whenever he chose. You can go on to the next verse, Kevin. And God confirmed the message by giving signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit whenever He chose. And so it's just this idea like, you know, we, we can't escape the curse that we're under. There's no way out. That was the whole point of Jesus. Hey, there's no way out. So if you're taking notes, you can write that down. Once you to write that down, we can't escape the curse we are under. We can't escape the curse we are under. But, Derek, I'm a good guy. I'm a great. I'm a great guy, and you're. what the scripture will tell us that even those good works that you do are filthy rags in the eyes of God. And what that would mean in that culture, I know this is probably a little TMI, but the, it was the exact translation is is that is like menstrual rags in the eyes of Jesus, because in that culture, when a woman had that, they were consider, considered defiled and unclean. And so he's saying, that's how nasty my good works look to me. But in that, if you take notes, here's what we have. We have a salvation in Christ. We have a salvation in Christ. So even though we can't escape the curse we are under, in and of ourselves, we have a salvation in Christ. And that is why he is the goat. That's why he's the greatest of all time. Because no one else in history has been able to do that, to make a way for you to get to God. I read this post on Facebook where of uh, phrases of all these main religious leaders like Confucius, and, and it was these last phrases, and all of them, Muhammad said, I am not the way. You have Confucius that said, I don't know the way. You have, you have all these leaders, religious leaders, who says, it's not me, but Jesus is here saying, it's me. I am your way out. And we see that. And it's confirmed in all, of the, all the miracles. If you're taking notes, the confirma- our confirmation of this is the miracles and gifts from the Holy Spirit. You're like, Dick. I, don't, I haven't seen any miracles. I, I haven't seen any gifts being used. Well, what else can turn sinners into saints? What else can take an addict and turn their world around? What else can bring those things dead in you and bring them to life? Nothing but Jesus can. Nothing but Jesus can. Like just the fact that that someone like, like us, uh, people like us who are sinners, get their life turned around and live as saints, it, that's a miracle in and of itself. Because what part of our flesh really wants to do some of these things that as followers of Jesus were called to? Right? Like, how many of us really want to lay down our lives for other people? No, because we're a selfish bunch of idiots. You know? Like, we want what's best for us. We still have that from time to time come up in us. I have that. But what, what, what causes that yearning in us to want to be better? Not our flesh, not ourselves, because we don't really want that for ourselves. That drive comes from Jesus. That's why Hebrews two goes on to say this, verse five, and furthermore, it is not it is not angels who will control the future world we are talking about. Because remember, Jesus is greater than the angels from last week. Furthermore, it's not angels who will control the future world we are talking about. For in one place the Scripture says, "What are mere mortals that you should think about them, or a son of man that you should you should care for him?" Yet, yet. You made them only a little lower. Now, I want you to pay attention to this. Because this is... A, this is, this is what, what's happening here is, is... This is a prophecy. They're looking back at a prophecy about this coming Messiah. Okay? He says, you made them only a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You gave them authority over all things. Now, when it says all things, it means Nothing is Left out. Nothing is left out. But we have not yet seen all things put under their authority. Like, I, like you want to pay attention to this because this is a, the, the writer of Hebrews is, is trying to take the readers back to a prophecy because sometimes it's good for us to look back at our lives and see where it comes from, where we came from, right? It's good for us to look back. He's having them look back at this prophecy of this coming Messiah, that he would, that he would give authority over everything. That, and, that, and that Greek word there for everything means everything. It means everything, which means Jesus has the authority over every form of bondage in your life. Jesus has authority over every form of bondage in your life. Because if he has authority over everything, he has authority over that leaf that blew over over the road this morning. He has authority over those things in your life. And what I want you to notice and what gets me excited is this next part because that verse ended with saying "But we have not yet seen all things but under their authority. And in verse 9 it says this, what we do see is Jesus. What we do see is Jesus, and we could stop right there and spend forever on that. Because in those few beginning phrases is the writer of Hebrews saying what that, prophet, that person, that prophecy was written about has come and done exactly what they said. All we do see is Jesus who, who was given a position a little lower than the angels. And because he suffered death for us, he is now crowned with glory and honor, yes, by God's grace. Jesus tasted death for everyone. For everyone. If you're taking notes, this is important for you to write down, for you to go back and remember, is that Jesus is the fulfillment of everything written about the Messiah in the Old Testament. He is the fulfillment of everything written about the Messiah in the Old Testament. Because he was made a little lower than the angels for a short period. He would, he would suffer pain and death to redeem us, rescue us, deliver us. And why? Why did why is all this? In verse 10 it says this. God for whom, for whom and through whom everything was made chose to bring many children into glory. How many? Many. He, he came to be akin to us, which we're we'll going to look at here in a second. To bring many children into glory. What's God's goal? To get as many of us into glory. And it was only right that he should make Jesus through his suffering a perfect leader, fit to bring them into their salvation. Bring them he he made like he did this. Like how did he do this? How did Jesus bring us back? To God, being a, or be, how did he become a perfect leader? And verse eleven says, "So now Jesus, the one, the ones he makes holy, have the same what? Father. That is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them, call you, call me, call the people in this world brothers and sisters. He calls us, you and me, brothers and sisters." For he said to God, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. Like who's he proclaiming this to? Us. His brothers and sisters. His kinfolk, y'all. He came to earth to be like us. Like that, that's, even, that's even crazy to think, like, to think about. Like when we read something like this, when it says, when he says, he's not ashamed to call us his brothers and sisters. And then he says, I'm going to claim your name to my brothers. And like he's claiming likeness. So when we read like the birth of Jesus and it says, you shall call him Emmanuel, God with us. It's more than just God being on earth. He made himself like us, to be like us, to suffer like us, to feel the pain that we feel. You feel the hurt and the heartbreak how did Jesus have heartbreak? Well, I mean look at some point I'm, his dad probably, Joseph, earthly dad probably died, Joseph because you don't hear about him after, that much further then you have then you have Lazarus his best friend who died like he, he knows the pain that you feel he knows what it's like to be rejected he got kicked out of town, one time he had to disappear in the thin air because he was about to be stoned it wasn't his time to go yet so he's like out of here huh but what's amazing is he, he decided not only to be God with us, to, but to be God, not like us, like we're God, but to be a God like us. To wrap himself with flesh, to experience suffering and pain. And what it means like to be tempted. I will proclaim my name to those brothers and sisters. I will proclaim his name to the people that I'm now like. I will carry their weights. I will carry their burdens. Because I will praise you among your assembled people. He also said, I will put trust in him. That is, I and the children of God. The children God has given me. Because God's children are human beings. Verse 14. Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood the Son, or Jesus, also became flesh and blood. He became a kinsman to me and you. Because a kinsman in in this time period, what they would do is, if Justin owed a debt, since I'm his relative, and he didn't have to pay it, I could step in and say, I'll pay his debt for him. If my brother or sister was about to go to jail in this time, and knew that and, and, and that person wouldn't make it in the jail their kinsman redeemer would step in and say I'll take the sentence well that person has some debt and they're about to have everything taken away well here take this from me as payment for their debt they would give of their flesh and blood to pay a debt that's why when you, like, read stories in the Bible, like the woman who, uh, who with the oil lamps, you know, they, she had, like, one, one vase, one, like, little thing of oil. Remember we talked about that? And they, they, she ran to the prophet and said, hey, what am I going to do? I have, all I have is this, and they're about to come take my sons because my husband's dead. And he owed a debt because the kids are his closest kinsmen to him. They were going to have to pay the debt of their father if she didn't come up with something. Like that's what a kinsman does. He steps in and takes the place of and redeems it, flesh and blood. For and, this, and I love this next part of this. For only as a human being, only as a kinsman, could he die. So why, why was he born? To die. Like he was born die from the very moment he took his first breath on earth he knew that his role in this world was to do this to be a kinsman redeemer for all of mankind all of humanity for only as a human being could he die and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death who had the power of death not no more not no more like in reality what this means because that's the only power the devil had like he has no power now it's been broken because the God who was who who was above the angels who created everything including Satan himself because Satan was an angel remember he was the one that went and he sang your worship song to, to God before he <laughs> fell and hit the earth. Like The only power he had was death and he had no longer has it. So why are you giving him the power that he doesn't deserve? The devil who had the power of death, verse 15, only in this way could he set free all who lived their lives as slaves to fear of dying. We also know that the Son did not come to help angels. They already have a good, they're up there on the clouds just floating around. He came to help the descendants of Abraham. It's me and you. He came to be a part of humanity, part of the lineage of Abraham to save us. Therefore, it was necessary for him to be, like, to be made in every respect like us. His brothers and sisters. That's why the Bible calls us co-heirs to the throne of God. Because now, since he became kin to us, we are now kin to God. His brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful and faithful High Priest. Now, I don't know if you know anything about High Priests back then, but what this means is is that that mediator that we had to, that they used to have to go to that that person they had to go to to even speak to God was this guy, right? And you didn't know if he was right with God or not. All you know, it like, oh, if he, if he walked in that holy and holies, I hope he didn't pass out because there goes my hope. You know. But now what he's saying is, no, I am your high priest. Or you can come directly to God now because you're a kin. It's your kinfolk now. Just like I can go to Justin and go, Justin, I need some help. I know he couldn't right now because it's next to or, Or, or I, could, I, could, I, could go, I could go to dad and go, Dad, hey, can you drive me to Atlanta to pick up some of this and drape? That's the way we can approach God. Now, because Jesus is our high priest, he is our in-between. He is our mediator between us and God because he is God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that that will take away the sins of the people. Since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he is able to help us When we are being tested. So because he came, became human, became kin to us, became our kinsman, redeemer, went through suffering, went through pain, went through hardship, we can now go to him and say, Jesus, I know you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because you've experienced pain and suffering and now here I am coming to you and saying, how do I get through it? Brother, anything that we get tested with, we can take before God because He's experienced it now. He's experienced it. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. It's pretty obvious. Jesus is Jesus is the goat because He became our kinsman redeemer Jesus is the goat because he became our kinsman redeemer and I don't know what you went through this week for some of us I know it's been a long tough week For some of us the next couple months of our life we are probably going to be tested we're going to be pushed to the brinks we're going to be pushed like we've never been pushed before one because it's 190,000 degrees outside I like I'm going to throw up every time I step outside. Fat boy sweat, okay? But really, there's, there, I guarantee you, over the course of the next few months, some of us are going to have some life-altering situations happen in our lives. Well, we're going to have to have a high priest to turn to. And why not we turn to the high priest who decided to step out of heaven to become lower than the angels, to become a kinfolk of ours, to become like us to experience what we've experienced in every way of life and beat it, why don't we take those things to him? The reason he's a go is because he suffered like us. He knew pain like we did have. He knew suffering firsthand. You know the scripture says that. Yet he overcame it. Why don't we go to the person, the only person that's really overcome anything? Take heart. In this world, you will have trouble. But I have overcame the world. And that same person that's overcame the world calls you brothers and sisters. Become, he became kin to us because he is the goat. Sorry, LeBron. All uh-huh. right. Everybody good? God, I want to thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to be here this morning. We thank you that you decided to become our kinsman redeemer. You decided to become like us. To suffer like us, to know pain firsthand like us. And God, I just pray that as as we as we as we go on this week, as we go on through the rest of our life, we remember that you decided to come and be a part of us, to be like us. And God, I thank you for that. Thank you, that for you for you to save us. You had to come out of your comfort of heaven. You had to come out of your glory, out of your radiance to become akin to us. And we thank you for that gift. We thank you for that gift. Now, I pray all this in your name. Amen.